You're watching or listening to Salon Soul Brothers and Sisters, Hump of the Week, 7 at 7, inspirational leaders interview with the amazing visionary that is Daniel Garner of Wildflower Dublin. Hi everybody out there in the big old crazy world of hair and beauty industry and Salon Soul Brothers and Sisters. And tonight I've got an amazing guest, Danielle Garner of Wildflower in Dublin. Hi Danielle. Hi, how are you? Okay, a little, little brief on Danielle is a true genuine hair artist. She's Irish and proud of her heritage, but is known internationally. And at such a young age, I seen Danielle at the beginning of her career at a competition when I was involved in, in help stage in the Irish Hairdressing Federation. And I just went, wow, this girl really, really knows her stuff. And you looked about 12, I think, at the time. But I've watched, I've watched <laughs> your career. I've watched your career. And it's just really been exciting. And I feel I'm a lifelong learner. And I feel we get our inspiration from everywhere. And sometimes you say, look at your peers. But I feel, no, look all around you because there's inspiration all around you. And I've learned, even in your recent interview with Don, I learned so much about the journey I'm on and where I'm going and where I am now at this stage of my life. You've already hit markers that I've only got to. It's taken me a long time to realise I needed to get here, but you're realising it early. And I don't know whether it's a generational thing that you just have a different view of life, but we'll cover that in detail when we go into the questions yeah. you're a multi-award winning hairdresser international session stylist salon owner ambassador educator and a true visionary so i wanted to all sit back and enjoy some time we're at seven at seven with danielle and i'm going to kick off with the first question why did you choose hairdressing as a career danielle i think hairdressing chose me yeah. um so i have been literally doing hairdressing since i was like four or five I remember um I'd be I remember a specific moment where I was standing in a graveyard where at like a do you know a month's mind thing or a year's mind yeah. Yeah. of my great my great granny with my whole family and I was uh, putting braids into my cousin's hair while I was like standing there at the mass. Um so yeah, I've just been like in literally obsessed with hairdressing since I was such a young age and learning how to adapt and change my career through the same industry has been just such a gift that I've been given. Really, yeah, but when you were a young hairdresser, was it playing with hair or did you actually get scissors out and cut it? So was it creating no, different shapes? You got scissors out and cut the doll's hair. Yeah. So you thought, All my dolls had no hair. <laughs> and I never did really do it when I was young for colour, but like, so to the extreme that I started into the hairdressing industry when I was 15. But before that, I was like bringing my friends home and practicing how to do highlights. And I like would cut bobs into my friend's hair from learning how to how to like do it on YouTube and all. Like I was forever trying to do stuff with my hair. So a young person that's a similar age to yourself, you know, when you were back then, what, what advice would you give them? If there's somebody out there, because this is the, what I've tried to do with Salon Salon Brothers and Sisters is that when people look at these and they look at a Salon owner that's achieved so much and all the goals and all the accolades is I want them to be relatable to somebody out there that will inspire them to pick up a comb or a scissors or brush and get into our industry. So what advice would you give to so a young person out there that's looking to start? So when I was in school, obviously, I, I do feel like it's a bit different from a lot of people who started in the hairdressing industry, where maybe they say they fell into it, or they were arty, and they wanted to do something like that. But when I was um in school, it was always said to me that that was like a secondary career, like go to college, you do what you have to do in college. And then if you really want to be a hairdresser, then you go back. And I would have fights with my career garden teacher because I didn't want to fill in the C the CAO form. Yeah. I was like, I'm going to hairdressing. I'm like, there's no chance because I was so stern on that. They they kind of let me away with it. Um, but I would say for a young a young person who either wants to be in this industry or wants to be in any way an artist every day connecting with human beings. Never give up on the dream that you have for the the day-to-day -day life you want. So like I feel blessed that when we get to connect with people every single day and make people feel genuinely happy, that's a gift that like 
in most careers you don't actually have even if it's like a high accolade career or it's a high achieving career or there's a lot of money being paid like you genuinely can do anything you want within this career that makes you be an artist create with human being create beautiful hair connect with human beings and earn a really good wage if you want to so I I don't think it's I've never questioned this being a good industry or not I think that anyone that wants to be a hairdresser should just look for a place that inspires them and reach out to them and just try do even like a, a work experience time there to see if mm. they like there's a, yeah as far as one of, like I'm going into schools now in, in the constituency where our salon is just to talk to them about a career in hairdressing and I will be interested to see how many of them would have a Saturday job in a salon because you you would have sat that well the term I, I know in the UK when I start going over they call it the Saturday girl or the Saturday you know what I mean yeah. person we didn't we just call it part-time hairdresser you know what I mean so yeah. you think it it really added to your hunger by working part-time when you were in school so when I to be honest I think that everyone should have like I have a four-year-old and I'm definitely going to make my four-year-old have a job when he turns 15 because I don't think and I think everyone in the world should work in a service industry of any sort through their school years to learn connection to humans, to learn how to communicate and to learn how to have empathy when they're feel when somebody is feeling um a bit off because we're we're so connected to our screens that we're disconnected from the human. And I think that like eat a hundred percent go to uh go to a hairdresser and try um get a part-time job there or just work in the service industry if it's not something that you can avail of. But I think for me, that was where I was able to see, okay, wow, this is something that you can do. Like when I was part-time, I used to do classes on a Monday. I would uh, work on a, a Tuesday and a Thursday and a Saturday. And then I would go to school and on my on my days off, I'd be doing my friend's hairs at home because I just really wanted to do it. But I have a girl who um, works part-time in our studio and she actually like reached out to me and asked me for a job while she was in fourth year. And she is just about to finish her leave insert and she's starting with us uh, full time in the summer. And she was saying that like none of her friends have a job and all of her friends have um like the perspective of like, why would I get a job? You don't even get paid that much or you don't even get to do anything because you're only a part-timer. And she's like, I don't understand why they think like that because she's after learning so much about being a human being mm. in the last few years that she just has the understanding of life a little bit more now because she's connected with the the workforce yeah so, well I, I would agree with you because I as a father of three grown-up adult children now I always remember my eldest daughter forging a, a document so she could get a job in Dunn's at 14 years of age and just <laughs> right should I be doing this but Dad, Dad, I need, I want a part-time job. I want to do something. On and, yeah. and in fairness, then she, you know, they've always, our three children have always worked part-time. And, you know, and, and that was it. It gave them, and it, it stood to them in life now. You know what I mean? When I look yeah, at what, I, I think what, that, like, this is probably the first generation that maybe we have a lot of, like, um, like, there's a lot of money in the world right now. So our children, as in the teenage children of the world, aren't being forced to go into the workforce because maybe their parents had to and they're like oh I don't want to have to put them through that I don't want the pressure or I don't want to have to like put them under so much uh, stress because they're already stressed with the pressure of school but I think when you're in just the school world and you're not working part-time you believe that that's the world remember before we started I was saying to you that I'd read a book about the tiles that somebody yeah was like trying to buy tiles and all they could see is tiles in the world. So if you're surrounding yourself with school, like uh, peers that are like just all stressed out of their head, doing their exams, they're so focused on all these different things you need to get for college. When you're stepping out of it, like our assistant uh, Heather and she's coming into work and she's like, oh, wow, this is a real world. There, She's not getting as in, engrossed into the stress. So I think even just understanding that on a like, human level is like okay there's more to just the world and this stress of exams and it helps them to like develop skill set in life yeah, so, yeah. And, and i suppose if you say this like even to talk to different age groups 
because yeah. of the sound environment. You, you all of a sudden you connect them with somebody that might be your granny's age, but you don't. But they're not, they're not your granny. But other than that, that's the only person you would have spoke to that was of that age group. I I always just feel that that the skill let the people connection that I got through our industry is amazing, and I can see you have that. And I can see you have it with your team. So I want to go on. Like you had a fantastic career with Peter Mark, you know. Oh, the best. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you I'd seen you grow and develop and 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 become from this young kid I'd seen at a competition to all of a sudden, you know, big awards. Your name was up there in lights as one of the key people. At, like, at what age did you leave Peter Mark? Um, I left at twenty three. Twenty three. Like that's. Unbelievable! I didn't. I didn't leave till I was in my forties. I don't think it was a like another last count. But but <laughs> to take the have that you know courage in you to leave twenty five. Even twenty twenty three. Even twenty. Look, under- no, I, think, I think it was twenty four because I got pregnant. No, maybe it was twenty five. No, hold on. Let me, I just need to count. Okay, so I started there when I was eighteen, and then I was there for eight years. So 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, 25. So it was, I was left at 25. I got pregnant at 25, had my baby at 26. That's yeah. how it was. So at 25, we're like, we're going to be in a position where young, some young people are starting in, the, not starting in the industry till they're 19 or 20. So they're not realistically going to be opening their own salon at 25. I think you have to take your journey as from what you gain from part-time, what you gain from your early belief as a hairdresser and your skill set, that by the 25, you probably... We're thinking like a 35 year old. No, 100 yeah, percent And yeah. I always say that to my team because I definitely accelerated my career. I must have had some sort of goal from a very young age to to just be independent financially and like just to be able to survive myself without having to depend on anyone. And like a core value of like this has to be something that happens. And I think that maybe that was the drive in me to to succeed so fast. But now I'm like, oh, you're just better off living. Just live. <laughs> so you're leading lovely into our next question then. And that's why did you become a salon owner when you had such a fantastic career? You were, you know, top of your game at Peter Mark. You were highly <laughs> respected. What makes you decide to, be, to become an employer? <laughs> I didn't. To be honest, I actually didn't. Okay, so what happened was I really adored working in Peter Mark and I went from two different salons I started in Peter Mark and O'Connell Street and then I went to Style Club on St William Street and the reason I went to Style Club it was when I graduated I went there and it was because my manager who was one of my best friends at the time was being moved there as a manager and I couldn't survive without her and I was like you're not going if I'm not going and if I'm not going I can't be here and she was like okay I'll try get you over there and I remember um, going to Peter Mark going to Style Club and working there for like four or five years as a stylist and I had been like developing my own like path in what I wanted to do in the industry and kind of exploring different avenues and I was doing fashion week in like Paris and Milan and London and then I was also doing like brides on a say a Friday or Saturday because I love doing bridal hair but I just kind of got to the stage in Peter Mark where there was nothing, everything I had had on my like to-do list for things that I wanted to achieve as an employee that wanted to like develop my career, I did. And because I kind of felt like there was nothing, I nearly got to the stage where I was taking two weeks holidays to go to Fashion Week so that I could learn more skill set. I need to sneeze. Yeah, go on. <laughs> <laughs> I think I need to say it. Oh, I think I went away. Um, when I was going to Fashion Week to learn skill set and then coming home and like doing photo shoots and stuff, I I couldn't actually ask them for more. Like like Cahill Keevany gave me everything I could ever ask for. And it got to the stage where I was like, this is taking the piss now. Like I can't actually ask for more than what he's given me. And as an employee, there was nothing he could give me more to make me feel like it was like I was contained but he wasn't containing me it was just factual you work inside this business this business functions in this manner and there's nothing more we can do for you but it was never a conversation it was just a knowing thing Mm. and I just kind of was like okay the next step for me is opening a studio where I can do my clients on my own 
and then my clients will just come there and then I'll just um go and do fashion week and do my brides and book it in as much as I need to and um I'll have to just do that so when I made that decision um it the property was up 23 minutes and I was like okay I'll just ask can I get it and then like two weeks later I had this property and it was honestly just a room for me to work how big like what is it is it the same property that you're in now yeah and how big was it did you like if I'll take this size and then I, and then oh I need more space and I need more space or so was it... It, it was I think it's 68 square foot like it's quite small hmm. um and I had a, a balcony outside so I knew then I could bring my clients and it would be like a really beautiful oasis to relax in so that's all I wanted so style club is like very like disco-y like yes, pumpy yeah. music but me as a human I like I get like my heart rate would go up with that music or my nervous system would be a bit shattered and I'd be just like it's so fast paced that I just wanted somewhere I could bring my clients to just chill um so the environment that I wanted to create was like nearly like a spa um so I opened the doors there there was no name on the wall on the wall there was like I had no branding absolutely nothing I just I had four 564 clients that were my clients that I had on a forest system and I opened the doors and I was like okay I'll just work here now I had so what I actually did was I shared half the room we built a wall because the, the room was too big for me on my own I got basins from Dundee for 500 euro I got a 10 grand credit union loan and my friend who owns the blink bar, like a lash, a lash technician, she shared half the room. So we we have the rent. And then I was like, okay, I'll just do the clients all the time. I used to do a, a consultation day on a Monday so that I didn't have to do clients in between consultations because I find that difficult. And then I just ended up working six days a week. Busier than I'd ever been. My boyfriend who was in college at the time, um was working like a part-time in in a bar and I was like can I just pay you to do my admin because I can't do my admin because I have to do the hair to pay the bills and then you can still go to college but you can work at home and he was like cool so then me and him worked for a while and then the business was open three months and then we just decided do you know what we should do have a baby like, was there any drink involved that night when you came no, honestly he doesn't drink and I barely ever drink. <laughs> I don't know what happened, but we were like, this is a great idea. Yeah. Do you know what? Like, I'll tell you this because I think you're married years, are you? Hello. Yeah. Oh, let's say I got married in 1990. Okay. So that's basically before I was born. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I have this thing that I was like, I love this person so much that I think we should make a baby because then when we make a baby, if something happens to one of us, we'll have a part of each other. That was genuinely why, why we had a baby. <laughs> so then six days later, I was pregnant and we found out I was pregnant on the 16th of January. And then I was like, okay, so how am I going to work six days a week? You're going to do the admin, go to college and we have a baby come. How's that going to work? And honest to God, hand on heart, that's why we have staff. Because you needed to keep it, the doors open. Yeah, clients needed to be looked after. I had so many clients in the room all the time. I couldn't fit them in. They needed their hair done. I had so much loyalty to the clients. Then I was like, okay, I'm going to have to have staff. So then it wasn't even I have to have staff. It was like, I'm going to get other people to work here to help pay the rent. It was never like, I'm going to be an employer. Yeah, it was always yeah. like, I wonder who could work with me. Yeah, co-workers rather yeah. You're the boss. Yeah. Yeah. So then my, my uh, I put it up online to say, um, does anybody want to want a job in this fucking room? <laughs> um, and uh, my best friend, who worked in Tony and Guy for like ten years, was like, "How can I apply for a job?" And I was like, "Are you messing? Do you actually want to work here?" So then she started, and then, um, I was due my baby in October. And in the July, I was like, I think we might need more people now. Um, and sorry, I have a little bit of snuffling. Sorry, grand. I just got to go with myself. <laughs> yeah. Um, in the July, I was like, okay, I, I think we might need two more 
Well, one more, actually. I said we, we need one more because um, Harriet, who owns the Blink Bar, who had half the room, and moved upstairs oh I actually have to tell you this because it's actually gas so we're on the we're on the first floor of a building so we're above an, uh, a furniture shop and above our uh, room there was a Thai massage girl who was lovely but that Thai massage girl lived in the house so it wasn't a house it wasn't a, a like a, a business premises to her she yeah. lived there but she wasn't allowed to live there and only men would visit it was visiting this place so it was a bit awkward and they used to use our toilet sometimes so we had to lock the toilet lock our door and then go into the room and like hide away it was honestly so so weird so <laughs> she actually set the place on fire <laughs> oh. so <laughs> my on my best friend's first day she was coming with tony and guy clients her regular clients that she was like built up for years and <laughs> on her first day with a color client she would we Felt, we heard the uh, fire alarm go off and there was no one upstairs and we were like oh I'm sure it was nothing and then it went off again and I walked out into the hall and there was smoke coming out from the, the girl's um room and anyways the fire brigade came and she got kicked out and that's how we had to hire somebody else because Harriet moved upstairs to her room when that got renovated mm. and yeah it's honestly wild and um while the renovations were being done, I had my interviews with two people that I, I thought would be cool for Wildflare. And um, both of them said, yeah. I, I literally, in the interview, was like, um, I have a few clients that I need to be looked after because I'm about to go on maternity leave, which was two weeks. So it wasn't going to be maternity leave, but I need somebody to help. And I was like, I don't know if I have enough clients to pay you, pay you but I know that I'll never pay myself before I pay you. And... I'll do everything in my power to make your life amazing. And that's all I know so so far. But here we are. And I was like, maybe one of them will say yeah. And the two of them said yeah. So then next of all, I knew that there was four of us. <laughs> and honestly, so like, like I now have about 20 staff members, maybe 21. And I probably have only started to say I'm an employer or I'm a business owner or I'm a boss for about a year. Yeah, so basically you were the board that dropped the seed and created the forest. Yeah. <laughs> I'm the wild player. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, like it, it's an amazing story. So if if with a, at one at any stage if you were to look back now and you know what what would you at what stage of your career would you look to say if I could go back to then this is what I would tell myself then. So was it the the child Danielle, the teenager Danielle, the young adult, the young mom. So is there any stage you'd look back and say, well, at that stage, I should have actually told myself this. If I could go back and tell myself, what would it be? Um. So I would never live life with regrets. Like I never, I would never say like, I regret doing this or I want to change this because I believe that every moment in our life, we're learning lessons for a reason. So like whatever... I, I nearly see like the bad times or the hard times as a gift Yeah. to learn a lesson now and receive the lesson so that you don't do it again. Um, I would say in business at the very start of the business, I created the brand Wildflare, which is a free spirit uncultivated by the mainstream wild and free in a world plagued by conformity. And that's why we are Wildflare because I wanted people to have a space to feel safe. So I think I only realized the depth of the quality of the brand in 2021 when I started to invest in it. I think I probably would have, I never had a business plan or anything when I was starting. I literally just had a few mirrors on the wall. I didn't even have them on the wall, to be honest, they were on the ground. Um, but I definitely would have put more, if I knew it was going to be what it was today, I would have invested into the way it looks now because I did it about four times over time as it started to develop, but it wouldn't be what it is today without them moments. Get me? Yeah, yeah, I get you. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think maybe financial stuff probably like never let anybody take and take over or like uh have responsibility for financial stuff in my business and always like like own up to it and like. I would kind of bury my head in the sand and be a little bit scared of finance. And I'd be like, you know what you're doing. I'll just trust you. But I think I, I would definitely 
um learn from the beginning and start as a means to go on when it's small so then when it develops to big never have any issues with it yeah like yeah. we okay. really say it is it you have a i always feel you have a moral responsibility when you become a salon and you take in people to earn a living there yeah you, you have a moral responsibility to understand the figures even if you're yeah. not a figure person do you know yeah. what I mean? like i i've become very accomplished at figures for somebody that didn't really like maths in school yeah and people say you're very good and i go no i, I kind of failed the hat to learn and i always remember being in 365 when years years ago they said you need to be able to sit down with your accountant and be a, not wait for them to tell you whether your business is profitable you need to know your business is profitable before they tell you because if they're telling you it's not profitable it's probably two months too late exactly and that, was, that was the that was the light bulb moment i went oh god i really need to start looking at this and I yeah. even had that moment recently there where a young assistant in there, and I'll share it because I think it's invaluable as to why you should do it, that a young assistant in my accountant's office sent my VAP bill and it came to me on a Thursday night and I'm sitting there and I go, seriously? What's this getting on? It must be joking. Are you well? It's about, it's about a quarter of me torn over for November, December. <laughs> that wouldn't be me. We pay 9%. Hopefully we'll keep paying 9% for a lot longer as well. I mean <laughs> but I and I just now I understand that. that. But the minute you see it, you're able. And I'm going. I was able to send her two reports from my phone, from Forex, bum bum bum. This and 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 straight away you're answering back. And whereas if you didn't have that knowledge, you'd be panicking, think, "Oh my God, am I going to pay that?" When it was never yeah. that, and the oh, stress of that. Yeah. And that's why I think if you want to de-stress, unfortunately you have to get. Or if you're lucky enough, have a partner that that understands that and you can take I would like to trust that person 110 percent but they'd want to be a really good partner not not somebody that's just yeah because I just I look just because you're paying somebody something to do it doesn't necessarily mean they they will do it correctly Every, yeah they the do humans, mean it's the humans and we're, and we're in a world of labor shortage now that I feel that sometimes people have jobs that they might have been corrected on before, but they're not being corrected on them now. And it's a thing that we could very easily do in our salons where we're, you're desperate for... But you you discussed that in your interview recently, and I want to go into it a little bit with Dom about not feeling the pain of looking for team members. You yeah, know, you, you have, and, they, and yet I constantly get calls from people, and I remember somebody saying, where do you, where do you advertise? Where do you... And I said, well, for, for, for Silas, I don't. And they go, well, where did you get them? Well, when did you last grow your own? When did you grow somebody? Yeah. Take somebody on with no skill and bring them through. Because when I take on an apprentice, I don't take somebody on to sweep the floor. I take somebody on because I need somebody in three to four years to to walk behind a chair looking after those guests. Because life moves people on. And and stylists outgrow, like we We've lost somebody there last year to, to Peter Mark. And when we sat back myself and Alison looked at it, we realised that was the right move for her. It was the perfect move for her. Because when we looked at our life, it was nothing vendetta. It wasn't. And that's why I always say, I never get angry if you leave. But my mother, God rest her, taught me a lesson when she came with a very poor background and every job I had was that great job. So when I was, why would you leave that great job? Because to have a job was a great thing to her, a stable job. But she always used to say, if you're leaving, you make sure you leave on good terms there. And my flames is, if you're leaving, leave with the door ajar behind you. Not that it's hitting you on the arse on the way out. And yeah, that's so I definitely, I definitely have that perspective as well. But I don't like, I don't even think it's that perspective just in terms of a job. I just think it's like, you should be a kind human in life because there's no need not to be. And I don't get resentful over people not being kind humans. I just will never stoop to the level of not being a kind human as much as I possibly can be because I know that I'll be integral to, okay, I can sleep tonight because I know, it, obviously I have meltdowns all the time. Like, and sometimes I'll be like, why is the floor not clean? Or, you know, like I'll, I'll have little tantrums. That's life. But I know that at the deep core of like every single day, I'm not going to intentionally be mean to somebody or be unkind. So why would you do that when you're leaving a job? Or I think it's all, to be honest, down to communication. I think when somebody leaving a job, 
that's like a level where they can't have that conversation it's because they've been hurt so many times that they actually can't like it's not in them anymore and I think that it's up to us as business owners to acknowledge the elephant in the room and address the issue or address the problem and say let's sit down and talk about this even though it's awkward and you may not want to talk about it I need to do this because I don't want to get to a stage where it becomes a problem so I'll give you an example of this so this is actually like something that happened um in December for us so we our, our team has grown like to 20 people or something in the last while and um there was a night out that happened on a say a Sunday after work loads of the girls were working and some of them weren't working and they went out on a night out and the next day I got a phone call from someone who wasn't invited and I was like I need to address this and this is a huge elephant in the room and it might not be an elephant in the room for the people who went out because they don't even realize Mm. but this is something that can't happen even though it it like was just casual so I just had to take it's like like sit everyone down I was so awkward I was shaking because I was like I really don't want this but I had to sit everyone down and be like it's really unkind to leave anybody out so please if if you are organizing like a, a work event in the f- future just make sure that everybody knows it's on to be invited it's no problem if you want to go out like have a crack with each other go for a swim with each other it's grand but if we're going to work in this environment together we all need to make sure we care for each other and that we're kind and I would rather close the doors and have an full time like that was probably the only time I've ever felt like this I would rather close the doors and have a full-time job than have to deal with this because I have never mm. had this kind of experience in in my business where somebody felt they were left out and I will not have it. it it's not okay and like I was very stern with that and it was probably the first time I've had to be stern with something but if I was it was such a core value for my business and for me that I was like I, I actually cannot allow people to be feeling sad or left out or that something happened that was unkind within my business because it's my responsibility. So I think that we have to take the responsibility for it as well. Yeah, that's it, it, it's <laughs> it's in your nature, you know what I mean? And I think what you what you put out, you do get back. And I define even in their own business that the team I have is the team I deserve. You know what I mean? And, and I don't feel that the characters that are in the personality I always find like even in our name now where we're Amica Eco Hairdresser when I looked up the, the meaning of the word Amica being friendly in Latin and I went okay so we're a friendly eco hairdressing salon but now I can say to the stylist you're a, an Amica stylist which is a friendly stylist and you're an Amica colorist and a friendly colorist because the one word in all the years we're in business that always came back it wasn't that you do amazing but why do you come here it wasn't the amazing value it's very friendly very friendly in here, isn't it? Very friendly. And I'm going, is it? I never know. So just, and they go, you're friendly. And I'm going, yeah, but, and, and I find, but we all have different personalities. You know yeah. what I mean? And, and some are more talkative than others and some are quieter than others. But we generally all get on as a family because in families, they're not all the same. Even though we no, might be the same birth, mother and father, you still have your own individual personality. You know what I mean? So the next question I wanted to ask you, because you've answered that lovely and I want it from your perspective as a what I feel is the new generation of salon owner as to what you feel makes an amazing salon. Okay. So I think um a lot of like big corporations in the world have like this oh like people can't be themselves. They have to like align to the brand and they can only like speak on that matter or they have to be like really aware of how they act. And I think that in salons now or in the past, we've had a very brand heavy focus where you are treated like the brand wants you to be treated, wants you to treat people um, that like you're only allowed to do certain things. But I think the new salon way of, of living is to find out what makes that human being the best version of them um amplify that so i think that salon what makes an amazing salon is having specialized people in certain areas that it's okay for a client to not just be put into another another a st- any stylist because we're all trained the same and we're all as good as each other and we all like deserve to have the same clientele because that doesn't make people 
like genuinely happy because they're just having to confide to the the way of like the brand wants you to be yeah, yeah so i think that what makes a good salon is people being like masters in certain areas but also really good at certain things really good at everything but masters in their specifics that they love so that they can build a clientele that they love and like this is what I was saying to my team last year I was like if wildflower dissolves I know that every single person in this room has developed their skill set to the point where they can go on and do what they need with their clientele because wildflower doesn't need to have an ego it it just is there for us to work there. Yeah, yeah. But I think that the reason why people leave salons and go out freelance is because they don't want to conform. Com- they, yeah, they won't. They don't want to conform to a, a stereotype that doesn't fit them. Yeah. So that it's it, look when you start talking about this with Don, I got a cold shiver down me right because <laughs> there was a person's name has come into this conversation that. You hold them in, and it'll probably come into the next question. You hold them in very high esteem, and I hold them in an extremely high esteem because they changed the way I looked at service when I was a young hairdresser. Okay, and yes, and I had I had a conversation with Carl recently, and and I said to him, I have this new view, Carl, and I've just done this EDI course, and I'm all fresh and I have all the ideas and I have some of the answers now. I said, Do we advertise? Do we think we advertise for the right? And are we really advertising? For team members correctly and he went oh no I think we're very open and, and he is he's very approachable Carl and I said because when I was trained with Peter Mark and don't disrespect I treasured my training and I think it was the right place for me to train yeah, me too. we were trained one in a system of one size fits all okay so you were trained and to do barbering upstyling and you got a bit of everything and then when you went down the floor you got in the queue and when whoever came through the door and then you were given to them and you built your clientele and then as it moved on, it became a little bit more because of online booking, it came better and better. But I said, I would look at the modern world now. And I remember the first time I ever got that was a young hairdresser. I was a manager in Northside at the time and she was sent there. She'd graduated. And I said, so there's a gent there for you. And she went, I, I, I don't do gents. And I said, of course you do gents. You've done your graduation, you do gents. No, and I remember I said to Carl, I watched the blood drain from the girl's face. And I went... Oh, Jesus, no. She, and I went, no, actually, you don't do that. <laughs> and I started thinking that, really, so now, like, I have a young, you know, a stylist now on a graduation course, and she's about to graduate. And now I just say to them, my job is to expose you to all aspects of hairdressing during your training. But when you become a stylist, I have to hope that you have enough skills and you identify what you're really good at to give yourself a nice holiday to have um, a car to yeah. someday, maybe if you're lucky enough, afford a house in Dublin, if you're really lucky. Yeah. <laughs> but to live a life, but you don't, but you need to find a clientele that you feel is best for you and hope that you can earn enough from that skill set to give you all them things. So if doing gents is not part of it, just picking gents, well, then that's fine. Don't do them because you're not going to do them well. Yeah. But, if but if doing colour is big thing, well then make sure you're really good at it. So when I offer you offer training or upskilling, that's where I expect you to be all over. So there isn't one size. And now I, I've always had front of house. It was the one thing that Peter Mark, I would never, I, I couldn't cope without. And that was having a front of house. And oh. that was the first point of call to divert, to spread out the clients to pick them. And I look at the two I have now and they cherry pick what they feel the client that relates to that person or that work with them. And even with online booking being so accessible now, even when we put a graduate on, I'd kind of go, what are you strong? What are you strong at that? Because if we book online, Gwen and Alana can't pick them for you. Yeah. Well, I'm a bit weak on short haircuts. Okay. Well then we'll have to try and squeeze that out of online booking or we'll take you off that until you're comfortable. But I'm lovely at doing big bouncy blow dries. Yeah, well, that's grand. Well, we'll fill your column up with them. So you're yeah. right. And I, I just felt, God, I can't believe I'm on the same level because I do feel I'm a dinosaur at times. No, and I, and then when I, look, I, I look for inspiration from the likes of yourself because I don't know what a young school leaver really needs now because look at the generation gap. But I can learn what they need now. It doesn't, of course. Not, and, and and it's not because you're open to learn. Hopefully, if there's older salon owners 
like me out there that are maybe disillusioned of it, it lifelong learning go and re-educate listen to this yeah. podcast listen to you because you are the future employer of this industry and listen to what you've actually just said you didn't have a problem with recruitment and yet most people seem to have a problem with recruitment why is that yeah because of what you've just but I think, said. I think so as well. Do you know what? I, I wanted to say something a little bit. I feel like it's a little bit contradictory, but it I do I do completely agree. I feel like I I a hundred percent agree with this this specialty thing, but there is, I do find it a bit hard when someone comes in as a graduate stylist. So like I got um a couple of new uh, graduate stylists, not graduate stylists, a couple of people came to me in the last three years three years and they have never done certain things and I'm like no sorry there's there's a limit here <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So you you have to be good at your craft like you have you have to be able to do every part of your craft and like I'll even hold my hands up and say I never learned how to perm but who the heck do I think I am not learning to perm what if perms come back out in fashion which they are and I don't know how to perm oh, yeah can I learn how to perm <laughs> so like I do think that like we owe it to the craft to keep the craft alive, to make sure that we learn every avenue of the industry because there's a special, beautiful way of doing each 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 thing. But I think that if it's something you don't want to do, it's okay. But I think at the start of someone graduating, they shouldn't get to choose until they know. Well, Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, how do you know you don't, you don't like doing something if you haven't tried it? So it's like I tried yeah. that with my grandson one day. I said, he said, can you make me a sandwich? Yeah, brown bread there. I don't eat brown bread. I only eat white bread. I says, no, you don't know you don't eat brown bread. Have you had it? No. Well, how would you know? And then he goes, well, I don't know. And I go, see, you don't know. So try it for me, will you, please? Yeah. See if you like it. And then you might get a treat afterwards. And he tried it and he went, wow, this brown bread is really tasty, granddad. And yeah. it's the same with, with young people, as you say, they don't like, I do agree with that. And that's part of, if you're taking them from grassroots from the beginning, yeah. you're obliged to expose them to all the areas of hairdressing. Yeah. And then when they're coming to the end and they graduate and you can say, okay, you have to fill this column because that's why you're, you're pay I, I always say, I don't pay your wages. The yeah. People in that column pay your wages. I just happen to be the unpaid tax collector in the middle that happens to take yeah. it. Hand your tax over, hand it back over and pass it off. <laughs> and I never, I always remember an English salon owner said that to me and I went, God, I never looked. He says, I never wanted to be a civil servant and I never wanted to work for the government until I became a salon owner and realised I was working for the government for free because I'd become an unpaid tax collector. And I went, yeah. So answer that. The, one I, the next question I want to ask you, and, and there's two parts of it. Who do you admire most as a mentor in your career and who has been inspiring in your career? Because I used to say, who do you admire as a mentor? But then somebody asked me and said, well, have people who are mentors and inspiration? And I went, well, then that's a double question now. So who has been a mentor in your career and who has been inspiring? So um, I'd say the the person who's probably got the most out of me and been like my mentor to me for the last couple of years is Carrie Fitzmaurice. She owns um, Kit Studios in London and she's Irish. But she just kind of connects with me on a deeper level so I can kind of explain what it is I need. And then she can help me like dissect things. She's been my men business mentor for about two years now. And she would be my mentor in this industry. And I think so. I don't really like to I don't really like to compare myself or have competition. I, I'm, I'm not really a competitive person. I'd more have competition to myself last year me so I always want to be better than what I was last year or I want to um like pivot in my career because I get bored really easily so I think I wouldn't really be inspired by like hairdressers I'm more inspired by like people able to teach me something that's not in this industry so then we can help to implement it into our industry yeah yeah um I also feel like and um, when you say like who inspires you I find that like hard to connect with because I think that I think of everyone like everyone has to go toilet every day does that what I mean everyone has their issues everyone has problems so I feel like 
I don't think like anybody specifically is like I don't put anybody on a pedestal if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. On the Do outside, you know? if I'm on the outside looking in, I would say I'll tell you who's been a big inspiration that girl, and and you haven't even said his name, the father of your child. Oh, Craig. <laughs> yeah, because that that man has done so much in your career that I'd look and kind of go. I'm sure there's loads of women out there go. Love to know who he is. He sounds perfect. He sounds so this is the thing. So, like, I don't put anyone on a pedestal that's like yeah. outside of my own life, but my people in yeah. this circle, like my mom and my boyfriend and my best friends, like honestly, are on pedestals because I can't like they're just like incredible human beings. Yeah. So, yeah, Craig, like that's actually exactly what I mean. Like, Craig is my my partner. We're getting married in August and I honestly, what inspires me about him is I honestly don't know how he puts up with me, first of all. And like he, I inspire to be like him because every single day he gets up and he just lives a beautiful, simple life with full happiness. Yeah. And I aspire to be genuinely happy every single day. And that means removing and dissolving the ego, the stress, the worries, and just living in the now and he honestly does it so like flawlessly like he I don't know how he does it doesn't get stressed doesn't get worried <laughs> so yeah you put it in my mouth but it was already there <laughs> the other thing I would ask as well because I'm in, in and it's gone back into Don I'm, pick, and I'm cherry picking some of Don's interview and and I actually said it to a friend of mine recently you do one day behind a chair in salon yeah, yeah, one day a month behind the chair in salon. Now, I always feel if somebody's listening, the scary part is that some young salon owner goes, "That's great, I'm working one day behind the chair," and they go back in. They say yeah. that, "By the way, I'm doing one day behind the chair," but they haven't planned out as to what they're doing with the other four days. And and yeah. when you say one day behind the chair, it's you're still there because you always do get stylist you know when i start reducing my hours after years and years they go oh it's well for you heading off now oh you're off today are you no and then clients when you go in they go oh there you are greg you don't see that much and even my grandson said it to me last week when i he says my mom's the boss who's my daughter in front of the house my mom's the boss of the salon i'm going no i'm the boss and she goes no my mom's the boss because she's there more than you and I went, okay, well, all right, maybe she is then. Yeah, <laughs> so, <you're there. laughs> so it's it's just enlightening us a little bit about why you feel that works for you and how you got to there. Because I was taught by this by three, six, five, twenty odd years ago that the day you become a salon owner, your first job is not to cut hair. Your first job is to make sure you're running that business. And, okay. and I tried to work, it took me years to get to where you are now after five years. Okay, so let's be real. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so I, as I told you, I only really started to believe I was a business owner about a year ago. And about a year ago, I was like, every single hour that I use in my working time, where can I add more value? So can I add more value to the client who's sitting in my chair who's paying 75 euro for a haircut? Or can I add more value to um developing the marketing strategy so that I can make sure that the business has clients in eight months or um coming up with a waitlist form so that when the clients are constantly ringing we tell them that there actually is no time to fit them in but we don't want to lose them as clients so we can put them onto this list or having meetings with my team to help develop them and their skill set so that I can help to develop them in their own personal lives and make their days better so do do I use the hour to to help 20 people who will then help another 20 people who will then help another 20 people or do I use my time doing one client's hair now in saying that I have literally just this month and this is another thing that happened with Dom he was like you've 98 percent capacity you have a six month wait in this and I was like yeah I did six months ago when when you read that article but this is six months later and I'm not afraid to tell you that that's not the truth anymore mm. that we have got 98 percent capacity our weightness has fully uh come down because we started to hire new staff members and now I've started the waitlist again and we've had to um give space for more clients and it's like I think there's a whole thing about um like stating something and that being left out into the ether and la yeah. lasting a long time and people continuously saying it over and over again but I think um 
having the vulnerability and not being too proud to say, oh no, that's actually changed now, helps people to know that it's possible for them to change as well. So um, the way my week would have worked is I did one one day a month on a Tuesday that I would do my clients and I would fit in as many as I could to help develop, uh, to help make sure I was maintaining their hair. But they, as clients, they would come in um, like every, say, six months to me or every three months they'd come in with somebody else who would maintain their hair mm. and then on a on, on a monday i would do admin so i do all the, like this stuff i need to do to help with my manager and my team and then i would work on a friday doing um like content creation and then i would have saturdays to do say weddings or something the reason why i started to do that was because i was coming in every week on tuesday and i wasn't getting anything done that i needed to get done on the monday and I was stressed out and I was going up to the front of the house, causing them stress, being like, can you add this to the list? Can you just get someone to do this? Can you just get someone to do this? And it was really, really annoying. But what was happening was I was getting so stressed out that I was affecting my client, even though my client would never say it to me. I knew my service wasn't good. So I actually was like causing that to be less, like less valuable to them and less like happiness for me. Because yeah. I was like, talking over their head and not talking to them because I was, yeah. yeah, I was acting, doing the craft, but I wasn't actually present. Yeah. Um. So I just kind of got to the stage where I was like, I, I really want to focus on education. I really want to do all the things with my team. And the only way to do that is to stop doing clients. Like I, I got a business mentoring with Carrie and she was kind of helping me on that. But I got a new, new accountant in January and she told me that I can't afford to not work on the floor which I also didn't know. So now I'm back to you on one day a week. <laughs> because you have to remember, account, accountants are the different. They're very, I always remember having an accountant years ago. He said, sometimes accountants aren't the best entrepreneurs or the best chance yeah. because they look at the world in very straight lines. Linear. Yeah. And they don't take risks. Yeah. Not the risk takers. We're, we're generally the risk takers. So I do usually take a little bit of what my accountant says and I do take it on board, but I still kind of go, yeah, but I feel this is right. But we have I think to as, as entrepreneurs, we learn that we learn the tool of adaption. And like yeah. we learn that, like, I'm going to get up this morning. I'm going to go to the gym. I'm going to meditate. I'm going to journal. And then someone's going to ring me and they are out sick today. And I have to go in and do all the clients. Like, that's just life. And that's I think life. that, like, people put, so I can imagine someone sitting listening to me and Dom's, uh, thing and being like putting me on this pedestal and being like I'm gonna be like that I'm gonna make sure that I only do one day a month and next year no babe I'm back doing one day a week now so like and that's why I always say take, take little and that's the advice even when listening to these interviews that we're trying to be as honest as we are in the yeah. moment like when I when I was uh when my accountant said that to me I, I was like to her I was like are you serious she was like yeah 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 she was like, if you if you uh, work one day a week, that's like income into your business that you don't then have to pay like a percentage back out on, on wages. And I was like, okay, I understand that now. Um, and like through with her, I would go through like cash flow and new things that we're doing. And I, I never had that before. And like when she told me, I cried because I was like, I felt like someone had, t- had taken away my little like spark of independence because I had learned this new way of being a business owner and not a salon hairdresser. But then honestly, about two hours later, I was like, I can't wait to go back to your new clients. So like, I think there's like, you can either be like the glass half full or the glass half empty for the glass half empty time. There's about two hours there where I was like, how am I going to do this? How am I going to juggle everything again? Then I was like, hold on a second. It's fine. Get to meet new people and go back to what I actually love doing and have human connection again. Yeah, like I, I, some days I, the thoughts of going in and doing clients, and I, and then I just go, what are, you on, what are you on about, Greg? Yeah, you go in there, you're in your element. In your you element. Love it. I but know. You, win, you actually love it. And because that's, because they take you away from it. And like, I, I'm now like, okay, to be honest, I, the last year I've been able to dedicate to the organization of my business, which was such a valuable time. That now I know I have a manager who's my best friend that started at the very beginning with me. She organizes everything. I have a front of house. I have another front of house. And I have a a 
bookkeeper who's like a kind of helps me with everything who's actually my mom um but like I have all of that in place so I can actually go in on a Monday and just do clients wow Teresa Clyde taught me a lesson years ago Danielle said we do hair because you choose to do hair and not because you have to yeah do you know what I mean but but I'm aware of the figures because of forest and what Forrest gives you is that your business on it on your phone or whatever, and you can just look at all these reports, you know. So I'm asking, pledging every salon owner out there, you need to support the IHF and send off a letter to your local TD, and you need to actually call on them or ring them or do something because at the end of the day, they are your servant, and that's who voted them in. Like I actually, I actually up until this year didn't understand all of this mm. not that i didn't understand the finances i just didn't understand just obs- i just i just couldn't understand like if you were busy like you could obviously pay for it but now i understand the difference between nine percent and 13 percent, and like it's up to us to make sure it doesn't happen because we can't we really it, it's gonna cripple us their margins are so tight honestly like the reason why i have like taken a step back with with my um, like goals and career focuses is if if I don't if I don't stop in my tracks now I'm not gonna have a family because I can't like it's so hard to be present with my little boy because I have like staff members ringing me or I'm thinking about something that's happening in, in an event or like the reason why I have that escapism for meditation and yoga is genuinely to keep my nervous system okay to stay alive because like I get so wound up and get so stressed that I can't, I can't live without it. If that makes sense, it's nearly yeah, like, yeah. for me, it's nearly like going down to the pub and having a drink because I don't drink. It's like I actually can't function without like trying to have them little escapisms because they, you, people, salon owners or uh, salon stylists or mind you understand because I explained to them, but most people in this industry just believe that when you, when you do one day a week or you like are are living a beautiful life that they see your highlight reel on on this fake instagram thing that we believe our world to be that 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 you're living the dream but they have absolutely no idea what's going on in your life and that's why like we were talking about craig earlier like we have to have admiration for the people who support us on that journey of imbalance because they stay for that journey like they are here for the roller coaster that you're not here for because you're busy doing other things. And I think that it that's the life of an entrepreneur, or that's the life of a business owner. And if you're trying to figure out if that was something that you want to do, you, you have to have the support system around you and know and like care for them as much as you care for yourself. Because then you won't have them. And be and be be sure that we're lucky to have it. And that's the one thing I've learned now what with, with is everybody is that just because I had two amazing parents, it doesn't mean everybody else has. Yeah. So they maybe are the way they are because they never got that. But that doesn't mean they can't change. It doesn't mean if they're exposed to niceness and it's all around them, what will happen? You become nice. But I generally feel everybody deserves an opportunity to change. So the last question I want to ask you is what, does the future look for Wildflower and for Danielle over the next 12 months? And I know you get married and that's an amazing time. So for Wildflower, so I we, we had just opened a new space called Wholehearted. And that is from, remember you were saying about the glass half full, glass half empty thing? Yeah, yeah. So it's half, half to em- the glass half, half empty moment last year was our uh, basement flooded and our staff room, our stock room and our office was completely destroyed and all of the furniture and stuff that was down there and we needed to find a new location. So we found a location, but it ended up being a 111 square metres uh, warehouse that is now going to be like a space for education and yoga and photo shoots and all of that. So the focus will be like developing that and building that brand coinciding with wildflower uh being being as good as it is so i don't want wildflower to grow any more than it is because it will become a monster mm. and i'm very aware of that and i very don't i really don't want that um i want to develop the team as humans and individuals 
to make sure that they're getting from life what, what they want um, and from us what they need. And then with Wholehearted, we have like our assistants uh, work on a Monday and a Tuesday doing classes there. I'm back teaching classes to the uh, senior assistants on a Tuesday so that I can teach them like things like color corrections and things where they have to like analyze and dissect each section of the hair before they move on to the next model. Um, and I think it's great for me, for my personal life, I'll go on to that in a second, but for me, it's all about just coming back to the basics and the simple of living, for me, living happily and for my team living happily and content with what we have rather than wanting more. I'm finally at a stage in my life where I'm like, I'd actually love to just throw all my clothes out. I want, I'm going to sell my second car. I just want nothing. I want nothing more than what I have and just live in the now because I'm sick of living in the future. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, And yeah, we're, get, we're getting married in Italy in August in Lake Garda. And yeah. we are um traveling there in June to live for three months in our camper van. Oh, brilliant. Seriously, yeah. Yeah, we, we bought Your accountant won't be happy with that, but whatever. No, she will because I'm going to be doing brides over there. So I have a wedding planner over there and I have um some connections from doing brides in Italy. So I've I've found a few brides that want a hairstylist over there, so I'll still be working. Uh, and then can I ask who's getting the honour of doing Danielle Garner's hair for a wedding? Uh, Roy Lee. He's one of my... um really close friends from going to do fashion week so i call him my fashion week husband do you know him Roy Lee? yeah i know i i don't think we've met Roy myself but or we maybe did brush shoulders i don't know him well but i know of him oh, he's very few people i don't know of yeah i'm like <laughs> how do you not know him uh, <laughs> um so roy owns um number 72 the gallery in dunleary and he is like my fashion week husband. So we, we'd always do hair when, when we go to Paris or Milan and we'd stay in the same like room together. Um, so I wanted someone that wasn't in my team because I wanted my team to enjoy the time and didn't want it to be like, I'm doing the boss's hair for the wedding. Um, so I wanted it to be my friend who would just tell me to shut the fuck up if I was moaning or whatever. <laughs> oh God, God love my team. They pulled in my hair the other day and I was like, is that you, Derek? <laughs> So listen, you, I'm going to let you go, Danielle, because you've given me more than enough time of your valuable time. So what I want to say is thank you, Danielle. You've been a wildflower that stood out amongst thousands. And I hope you continue to grow and develop because you are a key to our industry for the net, for the future. And I hope you're, you're around for a long time to come inspiring and being as, as humble and as honest as you are. So from Danielle Garner, do you want to say goodbye to the world of Silent Soul Brothers and Sisters? I'll leave the last word to you. Yeah. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening. And Greg, thank you so much for asking me to be a part of this. I think I, I would I always look to you in the industry. I actually wanted to say something real quick. I remember going to um the business, I think it was a business hub. Business hub, yeah, yeah. Huge many in, in a hotel on my own. This is actually lovely. Um, on my own, and and you were the president at the time, I think, of the IHF, were you? Yeah, yeah. And you had organized that. And I remember being like, he's really cool. And we had this woman who um was can I get that on record so I can show that to my kids. I'll show yeah, that make sure because I don't think I've ever been cool to them. Ah, uh, no, I just thought it was very inspiring that you were like taking the time to 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 be a part of something and to be like I don't know. I just feel like it's really cool. It's really good to like be a part of this community. And I don't, I don't really feel like I, I am as integrated into the industry community as I should be because I feel a little bit like wild sometimes. <laughs> we need the wild. We need yeah, the wild. Um, but I think that what happened was we, we were listening to this woman called Debbie. Do you know her name? Debbie? I, Debbie was my business partner. And still, if you're ever out there listening to this, Debbie's still one of the biggest inspirations of my career. What's her second name? Yeah, Debbie Digby. Debbie Digby, right. So she, I was just a graduate stylist and I was really struggling at the time of like trying to fit in my new salon because like I didn't really like, they were all so good. And I was coming with my manager from the last salon. And I was bringing all my clients with me. 
And I remember her saying to me, find a fairy, find two fairies in your salon. So um, it's kind of like a fairy wheel. So that, you know, when you're learning how to ride a bike and you yeah. have two fairy wheels. Stabilizers. Stabilizers, we would call them. She called them fairy wheels. So she said, find two fairy wheels in your salon to help you in your career so you can like use them as little mentors within you with for your for your career and I remember going back and picking two and asking them to be my fairy wheel and then she says after a while you'll only need one fairy wheel and then after another while you'll only need you won't need anyone anymore and you become the fairy wheel yeah yeah honestly like to this day I I say it to everyone I say like be 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 a, ask someone to be your fairy wheel until you feel confident enough to be theirs to be somebody else's and I think that life you should just do that in life like to four people I, I couldn't finish better and you've been <laughs> a true gem and I, I I have to say thank you once again and let's go and let's go and keep growing flowers and keep doing what you do <laughs> <laughs> and you go pick up your something school yeah. <laughs> And I want to wish you all the best. And until we meet again, may the hair force be with you. Thank you for watching or listening to our interview with the inspirational Danielle Garner. Well, if you got this far, we must be doing something right. So please don't keep this to yourself. Don't forget to like, share, comment, and give us a five-star review. And please share all our social media and channels. It helps us a lot. Thank you.